thank you for joining us on our fourth week of the Sins and Virtues podcast. This week's topic is success. I'm Pastor Jennifer, your host, and joining me this week are Pastors Muriel and John. Welcome, everybody. Hey, Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer. How's it going? Well, we're just really hoping that this podcast succeeds and exceeds <laughs> everyone's wildest expectations. Where should yeah. we start? Success, sin or virtue? I, we normally think of success as a good thing, I would think. I, I sat here and built this huge list of things that people think of as success. Wow, what's, is what's anyone, on your list? Is anyone interested? Do any of these things on a list make sense to the people Let's, who are um, can we all Can we all add to your list? Uh, we you can. Getting your rings. Um, baking bread and it actually rises. Ooh, it smells good. <sighs> actually getting a recording of a podcast? Uh, <laughs> let's see. How about... Uh, I'm all conference for my high school sports team. Lots of sports ones. Um, getting getting a PR best time in uh, 5K. Buying a house. The right car. The... Uh, getting through a kid's birthday party with no tears, or my own birthday party, to be honest. <laughs> 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 I don't have anything. Just having your kids get through the day without having a fight with each other. Jeez. A trip to El Salvador and everyone's bag shows up oh, at the yeah. airport. Wow. Oh, yeah, for that, sure. That happens every once in a while. Success. I don't know. My candidate won the election. Job well, promotion. Uh, Good a enough. Finding a wedding dress. Uh-huh. Nice. Did you? I did. Cool. Yay, success, success, <laughs> success. All right, listeners, add your own examples. We only scratched the surface with that, obviously. So where should we jump from there? Well, what happens if the, success, the thing that you think of as, an, as a success is something that's hurtful and harmful to somebody else? Is it still a success? So like your team winning means another team losing? Like, for example, the Brewers going on an 11-game winning streak and the Cubs <laughs> managing to massively choke, go from being Ooh, in first place oh. to not even in the playoffs all in the span of about a week? Okay. So did the Brewers Listeners, not succeed please forgive then? Muriel if you're a Cubs fan. For... <laughs> Although, we are all sitting here kind of enjoying it. So does that not count as success for the Brewers? Right. Well, or... When we were buying dresses for the girls, we found this one website and they had these beautiful dresses. And then we started reading all the reviews and they were using child labor to make these dresses and all these things. So if we'd have bought a dress, would it have been a success? And we ended up deciding, no, we couldn't buy the dress there because it, we couldn't support that. Hmm. Well, so success isn't just about you. Which, duh, is like our entire faith experience. I mean, it's never just about us. So maybe we just need a different, uh, maybe not definition of success, but a wider lens to evaluate um, who's part of it. So that Sherry, way of thinking of it? yeah, Sherry brought up this question in her sermon last week. Um, she was talking about a couple. They go to count marital counseling, uh, and one of them is talking about just how she's struggling. She's got a lot of resentment um, and kind of this whole built-up list of grievances for ways that the other person is letting her down, not supporting yeah. her the way she would like to see. And um, the counselor gives this question to both of them, which is, what would it look like if you 
worked for the other's success? Like, what can you do to help the other succeed? And Sherry lifted up that as a, just a great, I mean, useful for all of us, yeah. marriage or colleagues or friends. So maybe is it about whether you're working for your own success or someone else's? Maybe, although on the other hand, we can't own other people's feelings or decisions either. Um, uh, but, but you're right, we can't, we, we can't uh, sit there and say ours are the only considerations that matter when we try and figure out where we put our best energy. Well, and some of the hard part about this is the definition differs by person. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For instance, there's um, a story from one of my favorite authors, Sarah Miles. She is Episcopalian and works in a church in San Francisco, and they have a food pantry. There is a man who comes to the food pantry who participates, but he's an alcoholic, and so he's only allowed to come when he's sober. Um, and he was really struggling with sobriety, and and he was actually he's actually at the time he was dying, and. Um, one of the other workers in the food pantry was struggling so much because here's this man and they want so much for him to find sobriety and be released from this alcoholism. And yet for this man, I think what he would determine as success is that when he comes to the food pantry, he has a community. The goal for him isn't sobriety. The goal is being with his community. And and so some of that's about expectations. What do we expect? Our own, what are our own expectations of what will happen? So do you think if God is watching this guy and watching his battle to stay sober and sees him not being able to pull that off, but being able to give back in this meaningful way and find community at the food pantry, is God thinking that that man is succeeding? Like when when does God when does God see our efforts as a success, or when not? Yeah, and it's hard not to hear the story and think, you know, knowing how alcoholism ends for a lot of people. Right. Wow, that I mean, it, it's still hard to think of that as as a success, though. It's a great example of other people's definitions. Um, sure. At, at some level undercutting something he really needed, which was community. Right. I, I, do, I, I just think it's, you know, the biblical stories are, are so awesome on, on just, I don't know what the right word is, redefining how we look at life and ourselves. So I'm, I'm always taken by the story of the first king of Israel, Saul. So if you want to look this up in the Bible, this is like the last half of 2 Samuel in the Bible. It's just captivating stuff, but he's at some level... He's, oh, I, I think possibly First Samuel, uh, Jennifer's saying to me, look at one or the other of those. It's someplace <laughs> in there. Anyhow, just look up Saul. Read them both. It'll Read be both. great. Yeah, there's no downside to that. Um, anyhow, but what's captivating about Saul is that on the one hand, he is like the perfect guy to be the first king. He is tall and handsome and he is captivating and, and the people who follow him literally follow him to the death and beyond. Read the story to see what that means. But... Uh, he doesn't want to be king, and he never succeeds as king. And, and I, I think what he wrestles with is here he, he's given the opportunity for something that everyone would say is success, and 
he knows down deep that this isn't him and he's not true to himself. And, and so I think one part of the definition of success that does have something to do with ourselves as opposed to everybody else is uh, how can you be true to the spirit and gifts God placed with you and you in the first place? And I think there are a lot of things that tempt us or get pushed on us as success by others or by our culture. And, and we go down the wrong road. And, and like Saul, we even kind of know we're going down the wrong road. And somehow we need kind of the spiritual support and strength to, to be true to ourselves. Well, maybe the, the antithesis of that could be the story of the woman at the well. I mean, she... John chapter 4. Thank you. You got so, that one right, I think. <laughs> First Samuel 10 is the Saul, where Saul begins. Okay, thank you very much. First Samuel 10. All right, well... Jumping to the New Testament, and you have this woman who has supposedly this sketchy past that she's had been with lots of different men and is coming to get water from the well at noon, which lots of people hypothesizes nobody goes to the well at noon, so she's, maybe she's trying to avoid people who are judging her. But she has this encounter with Jesus, and when it's over, she goes back to all of the villagers who she's apparently right. been hiding Avoiding. from and is just completely honest uh, about who she is and how Jesus has touched her. And we don't get a ton of detail of what she says, but what we do get is this description of how the entire town goes, um, joins her to go find Jesus and, and join this movement. So something about what she said really touches him. And somehow she, after being with Jesus, she like is able to be herself and... Um, not be ashamed or afraid of that at all. I think in part because he's so honest with her, but in a non-judgmental way. I mean, she says he knows everything about me, yes. and, and yet, in a sense, she's relieved to say it. Like, here's finally somebody who's just straight with me and doesn't have an agenda, and it's the best thing she's ever gotten. When you're able to do that for someone else, that surely is success. success. What else? Zacchaeus. Yeah, Zacchaeus. I, I actually love Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is the story of Zacchaeus as a tax collector. He um, gets wealthy being a tax collector. So what that means is when he's charging you the taxes that the government requires, then he's upcharging you quite a bit, taking that money. So he's really getting rich off of the people who pay him taxes, most of whom are the poor. And so he, um, the story is he climbs up in a sycamore tree and waits for Jesus to come in the parade and tells Jesus he wants to go to his, or he wants Jesus, to, or Jesus comes and says, I want to go to your house. And they have this conversation. And we don't have any of the details of the conversation. We don't know what's going on. But in the end, we know that Zacchaeus gives half of everything he has back to the people. Mm -hmm. There's obviously some sort of transformation that goes on there. And what I actually love about that story is Zacchaeus has all the material wealth, if you want to call that, yep. success. And he realizes that he wants something else. And what he gets is by inviting Jesus into that community, into his community, he allows, I believe he's allowing Jesus to hold up a mirror and see him for who he really is. And, and that allows him then to be what you were saying, honest with himself, and be uh, honest with his community, and find community in a way that he never has. Yeah. 
Well, and I think it's doubly cool in that story. I mean, Jesus, like, double supports him. I mean, Jesus invites himself over for dinner. Right. Which, like, I'm sure no one had ever done before. Hopefully clean the bathrooms. Yeah, yeah. He probably did. But then you can sense at the end of the story that the rest of the community doesn't, still doesn't want to accept Zacchaeus. And you can't blame him because right. he's been ripping him off for who knows how long. Right. But Jesus defends him at the end and says, this guy's a son of Abraham, too. Um, and... And so when we, we somehow find the energy and courage to change, uh, not everybody else, not everyone around us is going to uh, like that. Right. Some people like the less good person we are, and yet here is Jesus supporting Zacchaeus and the person he can be. Huh, well, that's interesting because so for the first half of the Zacchaeus story, he's succeeding by, you know, like worldly definitions that we use. Like he's wealthy, he's, mm-hmm. he's prosperous, he's doing well, he's independent, but it's coming at expense to the people around him, especially people who are poor. And then he finds a new kind of success. It's still a personal success, right? Like that's a, that's a story of one individual, um, but his new way of living a successful life still blesses the people around him. It's a little bit off topic, but I do think the like the Hebrew distinction between um, righteousness and, and justice is kind of interesting when it comes to success. I mean, a, a righteous person is, is one who lives morally and faithfully towards God and other people, and then justice conveys the sense of what does the whole society do, and does the society leave people behind, or does the society bring people along with it? and 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 especially the Old Testament prophets call people to both, but, but they're really concerned when the, the society as a whole can't do justice, when, when people get left behind. And, when, and then the disease that goes with that is that the rich and influential use their, their wealth and influence to get even farther ahead at the expense of, of others. And, and that's just the opposite of what God intends for us. I mean, success is righteousness. In other words, being a person who's true to meaningful values as an individual, and then it's to do justice, which is to be part of a community that is faithful uh, towards everybody who's a part of it. Thanks for joining Pastor John, Muriel, and myself for our discussion on success in our Sins and Virtues podcast series. Hopefully some of the ideas that you heard will spark more conversation in your small groups in your homes this week. We pray this conversation helps you renew in your faith in God and strengthen your relationships with your faith community.